ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد Today then, we're going to move on and look at the statement, Allahu Akbar. Previously, we looked at Subhanallah, we looked at Alhamdulillah, and now we have the Takbir, Allahu Akbar. Inna takbir sha'nuhu azim. وَثَوَابُهُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ جَزِيلٌ وَقَدْ تَكَاثَرَتِ النُّصُوصُ فِي الْحَثِّ عَلَيْهِ وَتَرْغِيبِ فِيهِ وَذِكْرِ ثَوَابِهِ The takbir, it has a great standing and a great reward with Allah. And there are many narrations that tell us about the rewards and the encouragement for the takbir Allahu Akbar in the Quran Allah mentions it for example وَلِتُكْمِلُ الْعِدَّةَ وَلِتُكَبِّرُ اللَّهِ عَلَى مَا هَدَاكُمْ وَلَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ وَلِتُكَبِّرُ اللَّهِ so that you may do the takbir of Allah. And just like that, there are many other ayat. كَذَلِكَ سَخَّرَهَا لَكُمْ لِتُكَبِّرُ اللَّهَ عَلَى مَا هَدَاكُمْ وَبَشِّرِ الْمُحْسِنِينَ يَا أَيُّهَا الْمُدَّثِّرُ قُمْ فَأَنذِرُ وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبِّرُ So there are many ayat in the Qur'an that talk about the takbir and doing the takbir. قال شيخ الإسلام ابن تيمية رحمه الله وهو بصدد بيان تفضيل التكبير وعظم شأنه شيخ الإسلام ابن تيمية mentioned when he was talking about the takbir and the greatness of it ولهذا كان شعائر الصلاة والأذان والأعياد والأماكن العالية هو التكبير That the, the biggest or the, the open and apparent and the sign of the prayer and the Adhan and the Eids and the high places is to say Allahu Akbar within the prayer you have all of the takbirat Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar when you move in the prayer in the adhan you have the takbirat Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar within the Eids you do the takbirat and also in the high places when you are high somewhere hills, mountains, you say the takbir. So all of these places the takbir is mentioned. 
وهو أحد الكلمات التي هي أفضل الكلام بعد القرآن and the takbir Allahu Akbar is one of the words which is from the best of statements and speech after the Quran Subhanallah walhamdulillah wala ilaha illallah wallahu akbar kama thabata thalika fi sahih anin nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam walam yajih fi shay'in min al-athar badal qawli allahi badal qawli allahu akbar allahu a'zam in all of the various places where you see this remembrance Allahu Akbar you never hear it as Allahu A'zam you don't hear it as any other version it is always Allahu Akbar so when you begin the prayer you have to begin by saying Allahu Akbar if you said anything else Allahu A'zam or Subhanallah Alhamdulillah None of that is okay for your prayer to start. For your prayer to begin and for it to be valid, you must say Allahu Akbar. فَلَوْ قَالَ اللَّهُ أَعْظَمْ لَمْ تَنْعَقِدْ بِهِ الصَّلَةِ لِقَوْلِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ مِفْتَاحُ الصَّلَاةِ الطَّهُورِ وَتَحْرِيمُهَا التَّكْبِيرِ وَتَحْلِيلُهَا التَّسْلِيمِ That the key to the prayer, the key to the prayer is purification. The key to the prayer is purification. And the Starting of it is the takbir. And the ending of it is the taslim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Tahrimuha takbir. Meaning now everything becomes haram upon you from the outside affairs. You must focus on your prayer. Tahliluha, meaning everything is okay for you again now. You can talk, you can walk, you can do whatever. So, tahrimuha al-takbir, wa tahliluha al-taslim. Wa hadha qawlu malik, wa shafi'i, wa ahmed, wa abi yusuf, wa dawood, wa ghayrihim. Law ata bi ghayri thalika min al-adhkar, mitlu subhanallah, walhamdulillah, lam tanaqid al-salah. That if a person begins the prayer and instead of saying Allahu Akbar, he says Subhanallah. Or he says instead Alhamdulillah. If he says anything else, even La ilaha illallah. Anything else, your prayer doesn't count. It doesn't begin. You have to say Allahu Akbar. That is the only way. وَلِأَنَّ التَّكْبِيرُ مُخْتَصٌ بِالذِّكْرِ 
في حال الارتفاع كما أن التسبيح مختص بحال الانخفاض كما في السنن عن جابر بن عبد الله قال كنا مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا علونا كبرنا, كبرنا وإذا هبطنا صبحنا فوضعت الصلاة على ذلك جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله عنهما he said that when we were with the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when we used to go high up high up the hill then we would say Allahu Akbar and when we used to come down we would say Subhanallah and that is how the prayer was established when you're in the prostration low down you say subhana rabbi al-a'la and when you are coming up you say allahu akbar and when you start at the beginning you say allahu akbar so highness is with allahu akbar and when you are submitting yourself down it's subhanallah highness allahu akbar but when you're submitting yourself down subhanallah ثم إن التكبير مصاحب للمسلم في عبادات عديدة وطاعات متنوعة فالمسلم يكبر الله عندما يكمل عدة الصيام ويكبر في الحج كما سبق الإشارة إلى دليل ذلك من القرآن الكريم وأما الصلاة فإن للتكبير فيها شأنا عظيما ومكانة عالية The takbir is something that is with a Muslim always in many different types of worship in many different obediences to Allah you have the takbir in it you have Allahu Akbar within it so for example when you complete the fasting then you have the takbir that you say all the way up until Eid day. And similarly, in Hajj time, there is the takbir that a person says. And similarly, أَمَّا فِي الصَّلَاةِ فَإِنَّ لِلْتَكْبِيرِ فِيهَا شَأْنًا عَظِيمًا وَمَكَانًا عَالِيًا In the prayer, the takbir has a lofty status. The takbir in the prayer has a high status. فَفِي النِّدَاءِ إِلَيْهَا يشرع التكبير عند الإقامة لها وتحريمها هو التكبير وتحريمها هو التكبير So in the prayer when you are making the adhan for the prayer it is legislated to do the takbir in the adhan Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Takbir within the adhan عند النداء وعند الإقامة and similarly when you're doing the إقامة الله أكبر الله أكبر you do the تكبير in the إقامة وتحريمها هو التكبير and when you start the prayer it starts with the تكبير also الله أكبر ثم يكبر حين يركع then when you go down into the ركوع also you say الله أكبر 
ثم يقول نعم ثم يقول سمع الله لمن حمده حين يرفع صلبه من الركعة ثم يقول ربنا لك الحمد ثم يكبر حين يهوي then you come up say سمع الله لمن حمده ربنا ولك الحمد then again you say الله أكبر to go down into prostration ثم يكبر حين يرفع رأسه then when you come out of prostration again you say الله أكبر ثم يكبر حين يسجد then you do the takbir again when you go into the prostration ثم يكبر حين يرفع رأسه again when you raise up from the prostration الله أكبر ثم يفعل ذلك في الصلاة كلها حتى يقضيها and then a person does that throughout his prayer until he finishes it the takbirat in all of those places ويكبر حين يقوم من اثنتين بعد الجلوس and after the second rak'a when you've done the tashahud to get up to the third rak'a again you do the takbir so these are many places in and around the prayer where the takbir occurs وبهذا فالتكبير يتكرر مع المسلم في صلاته مرات كثيرة ومرات كثيرة so we can see that the takbir is something which happens a lot in the prayer that is something which is repeated a lot in the prayer فالصلاة الرباعية in a four raka'a prayer fiha in it there is ithnatani wa ashruna takbira 22 times you say the takbir in a four raka'a prayer work it out afterwards yourself think about going through a four raka'a prayer how many times you say Allahu Akbar it will be 22 times in the two raka'a prayer, 11 times. Imagine going through two raka'a prayer, it will be 11 times Allahu Akbar. Every raka'a, five times you say the takbirat. When are they? When you go down into sujood, before that in fact, when you go down into your ruku'ah, that's one. When you go down into, Sami'a Allahu liman hamida rabbana ulaka alhamd. Takbir only. Starting one separate but in every raka'ah normally. So going down into ruku'ah is one. Going down into sujood, that's two. Coming up from sujood. Three, going down into sujood. Four, coming up from sujood. Five, every raka'ah has five. Then you have the extra coming out of the shahud on the second one and the takbira uh, of al-ihram from the beginning. So otherwise, five takbirat every raka'ah. So based upon those numbers and those figures, فالمسلم يكبر الله في اليوم والليلة في الصلوات الخمس المكتوبة فقط 
in the five daily prayers in the five daily prayers you make the takbir arba'an wa tis'ina takbira 94 times you say Allahu Akbar in the five daily prayers 94 times you will say Allahu Akbar فَكَيْفَ إِذَا كَانَ مُحَافِظًا مَعَ ذَلِكَ عَلَى الرَّوَاتِبِ وَالنَّوَافِلِ وَكَيْفَ إِذَا كَانَ مُحَافِظًا عَلَى الْأَذْكَارِ الَّتِي تَكُونُ أَدْبَارِ الصَّلَوَاتِ وَفِيهَا التَّكْبِيرِ ثَلَاثٌ وَثَلَاثُونَ مَرَّةٌ فالمسلم إذا كان محافظا على صلوات الخمس مع السنن والرواتب وعددها اثنتا عشر ركعة مع الشفع والوتر ثلاث ركعات ومحافظا على التكبير المسنون أدبار الصلوات ثلاثا وثلاثين مرة فإن عدد تكبيره لله في يومه وليلته يكون ثلاثمائة واثنتين وأربعين تكبيرا Three hundred and forty-two times. If you do all of the five prayers and you do the sunan that go with it, the twelve rakaat, and you do the uh, the witr and the remembrances, add it all up, hundreds over three hundred times a day. Over three hundred times a day, you will be doing the takbirat. So consider this, consider the importance of this dhikr, of this remembrance, the statement Allahu Akbar, that when a person prays five times a day, how many times you've ended up saying Allahu Akbar? فَالصَّلَاةُ الرُّبَاعِيَّةِ فِيهَا ثْنَتَانِ وَعِشْرُونَ تَكْبِيرًا a four raka'ah prayer, within that four raka'ah prayer, there will be 22 times you say Allahu Akbar. وَالثُنَائِيَّةِ فِيهَا إِحْدَى عَشَرَةَ تَكْبِيرًا In the two raka'ah prayer, 11 times you will say Allahu Akbar. وَكُلُّ رَكَعَ فِيهَا خَمْسُ تَكْبِيرَاتِ And every raka'ah has in it five takbirat. One when you go down into Ruku'ah, Allahu Akbar. One later on when you go down into Sujood, Allahu Akbar. One when you come out of the Sajda, Allahu Akbar. Another one when you go down into the second prostration, Allahu Akbar. Another one when you come out of that prostration, Allahu Akbar. Five times in every Raka'ah. And that's why, if you look at those figures, عَلَى هَذَا فَالْمُسْلِمْ يُكَبِّرُ اللَّهَ فِي الْيَوْمِ وَالْلَيْلَةِ فِي الصَّلَوَاتِ الْخَمْسِ الْمَكْتُوبَةِ فَقَطْ أَرْبَعًا وَتِسْعِينَ تَكْبِيرًا Your five obligatory daily prayers. If you add up the raka'at and the takbirat within them, then you have already 
just in the five obligatory prayers every day, 94 takbirat. فَكَيْفَ إِذَا كَانَ مُحَافِظًا مَعَ ذَلِكَ عَلَى الرَّوَاتِبِ وَالنَّوَافِلِ So what therefore of a person who on top of the obligatory prayers also guards over the supererogatory prayers وَكَيْفَ إِذَا كَانَ مُحَافِظًا عَلَى الْأَذْكَارِ الَّتِي تَكُونُ أَدْبَارَ الصَّلَوَاتِ And what about on top of that? If the person does the adhkar, the supplications and the remembrances after the prayers too, within those remembrances and supplications you have the statement Allahu Akbar 33 times. فالمسلم إذا كان محافظا على الصلوات الخمس مع السنن الرواتب so if a person, a Muslim, guarded over his five daily prayers and the sunan, al-rawatib, twelve raka'at every day, then on top of that also the witr, three raka'at, محافظاً على التكبير المسنون أدبار الصلوات ثلاثاً وثلاثين مرة and doing the 33 times الله أكبر at the end of the prayers with the supplications and the remembrances فإن عدد تكبيره لله في يومه وليلته يكون ثلاثمائة واثنتين وأربعين تكبيرة then his Number of takbirat in the day, if he does all of that, will be 342 times you are saying Allahu Akbar. وَلَا رَيْبَ أَنَّ فِي هَذَا دَلَالَةَ عَلَى فَضِيلَةِ التَّكْبِيرِ حَيْثُ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ لِلصَّلَاةِ مِنْهُ هَذَا النَّصِيبِ الْأَوْفَرِ أو النَّصِيبِ الْوَافِرِ and this indicates to you the greatness of the takbir. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it such a great part, a substantial part of the prayer. فَإِذَا ضُمَّ إِلَى ذَلِكَ التَّكْبِيرُ فِي الْأَذَانِ فِي الْأَذَانِ لِلصَّلَاةِ وَالْإِقَامَةِ لَهَا مِمَّنْ يُؤَذِّنْ أَوْ يُحَافِظْ عَلَى إِجَابَةِ الْمُؤَذِّنِ Then imagine the person who does the adhan on top of all of that and the iqama on top of all of that. Or if you respond and reply and repeat after the mu'adhin, زَادَ بِذَلِكَ عَدَدُ تَكْبِيرِهِ فِي يَوْمِهِ وَلَيْلَتِهِ Then you will increase the number of takbirat every day and night even more. فَإِنَّ عَدَدَ مَا يَكُونُ فِيهِمَا مِن تَكْبِيرَاتِ فِي الْيَوْمِ وَالْلَيْلَةِ خَمْسُونَ تَكْبِيرَةِ Because that will end up being another 50 takbirat. فَإِنَّ عَدَدَ التَّكْبِيرِ بِذَلِكَ يَزِيدَ And so the number of times you make the takbira every day, Allahu Akbar will increase even more. Has a Muslim ever stopped to think regarding that affair? How many times a day you say Allahu Akbar? How many times a day you make the takbir of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your prayer? Around the prayer, the adhan, the iqama, the supplications, the remembrances, 
Look at the number of times you are making the takbir of Allah. But it is because we do not ponder and we do not reflect and focus on what we're doing that it becomes a routine only. Routinely saying Allahu Akbar within the prayer every raka'ah five times without considering the magnificence of what you're saying. So ponder over this great remembrance of Allah, the takbir of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then similarly, وَالتَّكْبِيرِ رُكْنْ مِنْ أَرْكَانِ الصَّلَةِ The takbir is also a pillar from the pillars of the prayer. It is a pillar from the pillars of the prayer. فَتَحْرِيمُهَا لَا يَكُونُ إِلَّا بِهِ And like we said, the prayer does not begin except with the takbir, Allahu Akbar. وَهَذَا يُشْعِرُ وَلَا رَيْبَ بِمَكَانَةِ التَّكْبِيرِ مِنَ الصَّلَةِ So that indicates to you the greatness and the position of the takbir within the prayer. وَأَنَّ الصَّلَاةَ إِنَّمَا هِيَ تَفَاصِيلِ لِلتَّكْبِيرِ الَّذِي هُوَ تَحْرِيمُهَا And that the prayer, it is the details of the takbir. Yatafasil Littakbir or the separations with that takbir Alladhi huwa tahrimuha Yaqul ibn Qayyim rahimahullah La ihsin Na'man min kawni takbir tahriman laha Fatahrimuha takbir al-Rab ta'ala al-jami' Li-ithbati kulli kamalin lah Watanzihihi an kulli naqsin wa'ib وَإِفْرَادِهِ وَتَخْصِيصِهِ بِذَلِكَ وَتَعْظِيمِهِ وَإِجْلَالِهِ فَالتَّكْبِيرِ يَتَضَمَّنْ تَفَاصِيلَ أَفْعَالِ الصَّلَاةِ وَأَقْوَالِهَا وَهَيْئَاتِهَا So the takbir, it has the details. All of the various aspects of the prayer, they revolve around and they return back to the takbir, the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَبِهَذَا يَتَبَيَّنُ مَكَانَةُ التَّكْبِيرِ وَجَلَالَةُ قَدْرِهِ وَعِظَمُ شَأْنِهِ مِنَ الدِّينِ So this all indicates to you how great the takbir of Allah is and the position of that remembrance in the religion of Islam, the status of it. فَلَيْسَ التَّكْبِيرِ كَلِمَةٌ لَا مَعْنَ لَهَا Takbir is not just a word that does not have any meaning to it. أو لفظة لا مضمون لها Just a word which doesn't have any substance to it It isn't like that بل هي كلمة عظيم شأنها It is a statement very great in its affair and status رفيع قدرها Very high in its status and rank تتضمن المعاني الجليلة والمدلولات العميقة والمقاصد السامية الرفيعة it includes within it a great and lofty and high meaning and purpose behind it. قال ابن جرير الإمام الطبري رحمه الله في تفسير قوله تعالى وكبره تكبيرا and make the تكبير of Allah سبحانه وتعالى يقول وعظم ربك يا محمد 
بما أمرك أن تعظمه به من قول وفعل وأطعه فيما أمرك ونهاك Make the takbir of Allah Allahu Akbar meaning say the greatness of Allah and do what Allah has commanded you in showing the greatness of Allah in statements and actions indicate the greatness of Allah with your statements and actions and obey him in what he commanded you and prohibited you al-sheikh muhammad al-amin al-shanqiti rahimahullah who's passed away he said ay azimhu ta'zeeman shadeedan wa yazhar ta'zeemullahi fi shiddati al-muhafadati ala imtithali amrihi wa ijtinabi nahyihi wal musara'ati ila kulli ma yurdih that you need to show the greatness of allah and the greatness of Allah will become apparent in how you guard over the commandments of Allah and stay away from the prohibitions of Allah. And that you are quick and hasty and always wanting to do what pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَفِي هَذَا إِشَارَةٍ إِلَىٰ أَنَّ الدِّينَ كُلَّهُ يُعِدُّ تَفْصِيلًا لِكَلِمَةِ اللَّهُ أَكْبَرٍ so this indicates that all of the religion, it is an explanation of Allahu Akbar. That Allah is the, the most high, the most great. فَالْمُسْلِمُ يَقُومُ بِالطَّاعَاتِ جَمِيعِهَا وَالْعِبَادَاتِ كُلِّهَا تَكْبِيرًا لِلَّهِ وَتَعْظِيمًا لِشَأْنِهِ وَقِيَامًا بِحَقِّهِ سُبْحَانَهِ وَهَذَا مِمَّا يُبَيِّنُ so this all indicates to you that all of the religion it is a tafsil for this statement Allahu Akbar an explanation for Allahu Akbar so the Muslim fulfills all of the obediences to Allah and all of that is because of him recognizing the greatness of Allah Allahu Akbar, you recognize the greatness of Allah, so you do all of the worship and the obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there is a narration, Umar ibn al-Khattab said, Qawlul abd, when a person says, Umar ibn al-Khattab, he said, when a person says, Allahu Akbar, then that is, خَيْرٌ مِنَ الدُّنْيَا وَمَا فِيهَا Better than everything in the world and what is in it. Everything better than all of the world and everything in it. When a person says, Allahu Akbar, it is better than this world and everything in it. So this is a great station and rank, a great position for this Remembrance, Allahu Akbar.
So what does Allahu Akbar exactly mean? It means, some of the scholars have explained that it means Allahu Akbaru Kabir. That Allah is the greatest of all of everything. That Allah is the greatest Allahu Akbaru Kabir. No matter how big something is in creation, Allah is greater than that. Allah is the greatest of all of whatever might be big. Allah is the greatest. So Allahu Akbar, Allah is the greatest of everything. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said, At-takbiru yuradu bihi an yakuna Allah عند العبد أكبر من كل شيء. The meaning is that a servant is that that a servant recognizes when he says Allahu Akbar that Allah is greater than everything. When you say Allahu Akbar, you understand you mean Allah is greater than anything and everything. That meaning of the takbir brings us to the conclusion of those three statements. The statement, Subhanallah, the statement, Alhamdulillah, and the statement, Allahu Akbar. There is a fourth statement that goes with it, and what was the fourth statement that goes with it? La ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah We know that is Kalimatu Tawheed It is the Shahada Meaning that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth No deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah all of the other deities that they worship are false. And so that statement is a statement that must be said for a person to enter Islam. Believing in it, understanding it, saying it, must be done in that manner. Unless a person is unable to speak physically, then he's excused. But otherwise, it is a statement that must be uttered for a person to enter into the fold of Islam to begin with. It is the statement of Tawheed. It is what will differentiate the people between paradise and hell on the day of judgment. La ilaha illallah. Those who die upon this statement, die upon la ilaha illallah, then they are the ones who enter paradise. Man kana akhiru kalamihi la ilaha illallah dakhala al-jannah. Whomsoever his final statement is la ilaha illallah, then he will enter paradise. That is the difference between the believers and the non-believers. The shahada, the testimony. And that is why al-Islam is built up on five pillars. 
What are the five pillars? What's pillar number one? Five pillars of Islam. What is pillar number one? The Shahada. How do you say it? La ilaha illallah. That is the basis of this religion. The first pillar from the five pillars. Even the six pillars of Iman. What's the first pillar of Iman? Iman in Allah. Then you have Iman in the angels and the books and the prophets and the day of judgment and the decree. Iman in Allah, meaning the Shahada again, meaning the Tawheed, Al-Rububiyyah, Wal-Uluhiyyah, Wal-Asma'u, Wal-Sifat. That is the Iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the fourth statement is clear. La ilaha illallah. The meaning of that, the basis of that as the core of this religion, the asal, the tawheed, what differentiates between the believers and unbelievers, that is clear. What is the connection between these four statements la ilaha illallah subhanallah alhamdulillah allahu akbar what is the connection between these four statements one of the things you can say is that the two statements subhanallah and alhamdulillah they always come together. Subhanallah and Alhamdulillah, they are often together. Those two often come together. And as for La ilaha illallah and Allahu Akbar, they often come together. So an example of Subhanallah and Alhamdulillah coming together, Kalimatani, Rafifatani ala al-lisan, thaqilatani fil-mizan, habibatani ila-rrahman. Subhanallah wa bihamdi. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah. Those two always come together. They often come together. Fasabbih bihamdi rabbika. Fasabbih bihamdi rabbika. The tasbih and the tahmeed. Similarly, Subhanakallahumma Rabbana wa bihamdika. Allahumma ghfirli. So Subhanallah and Alhamdulillah often come together. La ilaha illallah and Allahu Akbar often come together. Often hear that coming together. So that is one of the connections you could make between these four statements. Allahu Akbar and La ilaha illallah come together often. Alhamdulillah and Subhanallah come together often. So for example, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu anna Muhammad al-Rasulullah. Adhan. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Shahada and the takbir, the tahleel and the takbir have come together. Have they come together? Absolutely, they have come together. So that is one of the connections you could note 
regarding the four statements of how two of them are often linked and the other two are often linked. That basically brings us to the conclusion of that section. The next section after that is a new chapter, mentions some other statements, some other types of du'as, some other remembrances, the importance of ayatul kursi, the importance of la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, those are chapters we'll move on to from the next session. Any questions up to there so far? Up to what we've done so far, related to the class or not related to the class? Any questions? Everybody randomly. Mm. Mm. Takbir in unison, doing it all together when one person says, everybody say Allahu Akbar. Then everybody, Allahu Akbar. It's not really evidence like that. Even on the day of Eid, person goes on the mic and they start doing it. And then everybody else all together start doing it. These types of things are not evidenced in the Sunnah. To do it in unison, to do this all together in one voice. The talbiyah for hajj, again not mentioned to do it in unison in one voice, but you do it yourself. So this thing about a congregational raising of the voice together, often it is something that is not established in the sunnah that the people have brought about in doing it in unison in one voice, one leader, everybody else following. Normally that is not established. If somebody can bring an example of it being established somewhere particular, then so be it. But otherwise, generally, it is not established to do it in unison like that. Mm. So, if you come to the congregational prayer... You walk into the mosque and the first row is completely full. You can't find a space in the first row. So where are you going to pray? By yourself, you're going to be the only person. Call someone from where? You're going to ring them? Call them from where? So you're going to pull somebody back from the first line, tap them, tell them to come back to join you, so that you don't be one person in the line by yourself at the back. There is an opinion of the scholars that you cannot make a row with just one person. There is an opinion of the scholars you cannot make a row with just one person. So if you come in and the first row is completely full, and now you can't squeeze in anywhere, you're the only person by yourself, there is an opinion, you can't make a row by yourself. So what do you do then? Either, like you said, maybe you tap somebody, just give them a nudge back, bring them back to join you, and the first row just kind of fills in the gap and makes themselves to cover the space. So now you have two people in the second row, it works now. That is a possibility, that is what some scholars have mentioned. What else? Exactly, that's a problem. We'll come to that in a minute. 
What else could you do? No, because in that case, if those two people went and squeezed down at the ends, you have one full row. So you wouldn't start, you wouldn't pull two people out to make a second row as a precaution. Nobody else may walk in for the rest of that jama'ah. So you can't do that, then you got to fill the first row. But other options? Okay, but that means you're going to be but one person because other people who knows maybe they come in the maybe nobody comes who knows so you will be one person in the in the second row this is the issue this is the uh, the masala fiqhiyah is it permissible to make a row the soft with just one person some of the fuqaha they say no la yujus one person cannot be soft that, that's what they say it's a qawl qawl min aqwal al-ulama so then what do you do if you take this opinion? If this is your opinion, then what do you do? Either, like we said, you can pull one person back, maybe. If you don't do that, what else could you do? Maybe some of the fuqaha, they say, in that case, come and join the imam. Come and join the imam on his side. So you make a row with him. بس هو ما يقطع لا لأن الصف الأول هل عندهم سطرة ولا ما عندهم وش السطرة عندهم الإمام فإذا قطع قدام الإمام الآن قطع الصلاة so if you walk in front of the first row that isn't cutting anything because the سطرة for the first row is the إمام's سطرة so now he's not going he's not going to cut the إمام He's going to walk in and stand to the right of the Imam. That's possible. It's, you know, some scholars they say that. What if you don't want to do that? Because that, the other fuqaha, they say, no, how can you do that? Now, if the Imam is supposed to be by himself, the Imam. Are you going to come and join with the Imam? Two Imams, it looks like. The first opinion, they say, bring somebody back. They say, pull somebody back. But even that, they say, this is a problem. The ones who oppose them, they say, no, no, you can't do that. They say, this person, maybe, maybe he left home one hour before the prayer. He thought to himself, inshallah, he came one hour before the prayer. Start in the first row. Miskin, you come and you pull him to second row. One hour before the prayer, he came. So they say, no, this is dhulm. You can't pull somebody from the first row. Min al-fadil ila al-mafdul. So they say, no, you can't do that to him. So then what are you going to do? It's a problem. It's a problem. It's a, if you take this opinion, you have to work out how you're going to do it, what you're going to do. Of course, there is another opinion, the second opinion. They say, you can do the, the saf. You stand in the middle, like you said, and that you, you pray. Other people will come and join you. But you have that opinion, you have the differences there. Pulling somebody back is an opinion. Hmm. Hmm. 
No, but it doesn't matter. They say, let's imagine now one raka'ah, you end up by yourself. According to that opinion, that's, that raka'ah doesn't count. You're praying in a row which isn't a row. So that, that one is a bit of a difficult one. There are some issues that you have to work around if you're going to take this opinion that the row cannot be a row by itself. Either you come line up with the imam, which is a bit problematic as well, especially, you know, the mosques in the olden times, in the times of the Salaf. And even now in the Arab countries, the mosques which are built as mosques. This is not built as mosque. This was a building factory before. But when they build the masjid, the door is where normally. At the back, the door is not at the front. The mosque, when they build the mosque, the architecture, the door is at the back. Because the rows will join and the people who come, then they join the rows. Doesn't make sense, put the door at the front of the mosque. So normally... When the person, if he takes that opinion about joining the imam, he's going to have to go through everybody to go to the imam. So even though he's not cutting anybody's prayer, he is certainly disturbing everybody too. So you have some issues there. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a statement too. They say just wait. Wait until somebody comes, then you join and start. And then just... Huh? Exactly. <laughs> I think that's it's a, it's a, an issue. It's a, because there are some narrations about it. One person cannot be the Saf by himself. Allah alam. These kinds of things you can't really judge and say that this is stronger, that is stronger. Sometimes you get uh, uh, statements that are clearly more heavier than others. But here in this instance, where you have narrations telling you about the one person invalid for the saf and everything what are you supposed to do those narrations are there so now you need to work out some solutions to how that works but it's not possible to say stronger not stronger it's not really possible to give a conclusion like that mm. if somebody has fasted uh, uh, they have qada they have to make up for many years ago. No, this is complicated. Now imagine some you're saying somebody has some days left to make up from one of the previous Ramadans and they still haven't done them yet. And now this year they want to do the days of Shawwal, the six days. Which means they have to start straight away tomorrow. Tomorrow is the last six days starting. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Maybe Saturday, you don't know. So if you want to do the six days, tomorrow is your last chance to begin. But these other uh, person who's got days left to make up, this situation, it doesn't make sense yet. That person who's got days left to make up from years ago, what is the cause of those days to start with? That's an issue in of itself. If that person has been negligent and hasn't made those days up, he's sinful in the first place. That's another issue in of itself. But then this issue of the Shawwal days, it is that you must complete the days of Ramadan. If you've got previous days and legitimately you've not completed them yet, maybe pregnant, breastfeeding, those things, legitimately you've been allowed Islamically not to make up the days yet, then still you got to make up the days now before you do the days of Shawwal. The Ramadan days take the priority. 
So that should be the way it's done. The Ramadan days first, then the days of Shawwal. Go on, last question. Go on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those ones, that type of thing, will, uh, you have to ask one of the scholars if it's obligatory upon him to make up those days now or not. Why can't the sisters ask the question from the back so we can hear it? I mean, if you look at just the practicality of it firstly. Firstly, forget about everything else. If you look at just the practicality of it. Practically now, if we're going to say sisters should say their questions. Firstly, we need some way to be able to communicate for us to even know that there is a sister who wants to ask a question. So somebody's got to tell us somehow that there's a sister who wants to ask a question. That's the first thing. You're going to have to either send a note or otherwise what you're going to do is some sister just going to shout out that I have a question. And then on top of that, she's going to have to raise her voice from the back to ask the question. On top of that, Islamically, there is an opinion of some of the scholars that the voice of the woman is aura on top. There are many issues. I don't understand why the sisters would want to raise their voices from the back, to have to shout their question from the back, loud voices for us to hear when they can explain those questions on the papers, they can write it down and they can send it and we can answer it. If, if they are not answered, if something is sent and it is not answered, it is because either I don't know the answer to it, it's not because I'm ignoring any of the questions, it will be because I don't have the answer for it. And then we can maybe research and look into that until the next week or the week after or whenever we find it. But nothing is ignored. If the questions are sent forward on the papers, if we're able to answer them, we'll answer them. But if we're not able, then that's nothing can be done. We can't answer something we don't know. So there's no need for the women to have to raise their voices from the back. Sending the paper, raising the voice, if I don't know the answer, it won't make a difference. If you send it on a piece of paper or you say it with your voice, if I don't know the answer, I don't know the answer. Doesn't make a difference if it's paper or if it's the voice. So for that reason, there's no, there's no need for that. It doesn't make any sense for women to have to shout from the back to give their questions. You simply send the piece of paper forward, write down your question. Or if you have somebody here on the men's side, you can text that person, your husband, whoever, they can give the question. There's no need for anybody to raise their voices and shout. It doesn't make any sense. Go on. You complete the third rak'ah, that's it. If you're praying Maghrib, after the second rak'ah, you're doing your tashahud and you forget, you think you are in third rak'ah. So you give the salah, you finish. Then you remember, wait. As soon as you do the taslim, then you remember. This was only the second. You stand up, do the takbir, begin and do the third rak'ah. Then at the end of the third rak'ah, give the salam, finish it, and then... Sujudu sahu, that's it. One raka'ah, sujudu sahu, that's it. That's it. You don't have to repeat the whole prayer then. Mm. Only, only difference is, if you do that, then you leave, one hour later you remember. Then now you pray the whole prayer. Now it's too late. It's a long distance gone by. 
But if you remember then, then خلاص, get up just one rak'ah. 